0: Hello and welcome, Dr Deborah Harcourt speaking here from Asia-Pacific Early Childhood Consultants and this is our second episode in our current series, An Atelier for Reflection where we try and look at some of the challenges, some of the contemporary issues, some of the niggles, some of the successes that we are facing in early childhood um, in these times. And what I'd like to open up a dialogue with you about in this episode is around quality. And in many countries in the world, there has been some discussion around what does quality look like? How do we measure it? In Australia, we've gone from a fairly strict, what we might call compliance way of measuring quality to something that's a little bit more open but I am beginning to think it's open to a little bit more interpretation than is necessary or is advisable. And as I've conducted my work and worked alongside of and collaborated with many early childhood professionals in the Asia Pacific region and beyond, I've started to ask myself three questions and I'd like to share those questions with you to see what you think and and to try and, I guess, engage in a dialogue around this notion of quality and, and how can we authentically engage with a notion of quality in early childhood education that welcomes young children from birth to school age. And my three questions are these. The first one is, can quality look like something? Have a think about that. I've recently written a paper on LinkedIn. I don't know how many of you are engaged in that professional um, online platform, LinkedIn. And I put some words together, as I often do every now and again, to try and get our professional community to think about some of the things that are going on in early childhood education that are perhaps less than desirable. And one of the things that has come to my attention over the last, you know, 12, 18 months, two years is, is quality beginning to look like something? And if you're like me, I'm I'm a fan of Facebook. I'm quite happy to admit that. And I look at it from both a professional point of view and obviously also like many of you to keep in contact with friends and family who do not live close by. And one of the things I've started to notice, particularly with the larger networks of early childhood organisations, is quality is beginning to look like something. And if you have a quick scan through some of the Facebook pages from those bigger networks, um, it could be in Australia, it could be New Zealand, could be the UK, it could be the US, it could be Canada, it could be Singapore, it could be Hong Kong, they're beginning to look very similar. And what I'm beginning to notice is the plastic fantastic um, is going and and that's great. I have absolutely no problem with us reducing the amount of plastic that we use for a number of reasons, obviously uh, for environmental reasons, but of course there are pedagogical reasons and we'll, we'll talk about that A little bit more but what I see coming in place of the plastic fantastic and the multitude of toys is timber furniture has replaced the normal laminated tables and plastic chairs wooden bowls and baskets have replaced plastic cubes that's great I don't have a problem with that but there's becoming a very bland look about what quality might look like and just replacing plastic with timber or the plastic cubes with wooden and woven baskets and the toys with loose parts doesn't necessarily mean that quality is at the top of the agenda and there seems to be seems to me anyway that there is some copying going on if you have a look through some of the uh, journals the um, catalogs and of course the online media um, I think you might notice as I have done that they're all looking fairly much the same and the other thing that bothers me is that in this sameness of the neutrality of the colours, which again I have no issue with, but there's no narrative that actually explains why this new look around quality exists. Why do we have the neutral colours? Why do have we replaced timber? Oh, sorry, plastic with timber. Why is this so? And I'm, I'm wondering if there should be a little bit more dialogue around the impact of, for example, visual noise on children's learning. And while I still see uh, washing lines, as I call them, full of the butterfly prints, all the walls and the windows are covered in, I'm using inverted commas here, children's artwork, notices etc information for parents birthday charts etc etc there's no discussion in this as to why we would make the change so I think it's really important that we are able to share our understanding of both scientific reasons why so for example the impact of both visual and auditory noise on on children and their ability to concentrate and their ability to differentiate, particularly very young children, differentiate colour, surfaces, etc. And why we would go for a more neutral coloured environment and then let the children's work speak from that. So I'd like to see as we look at quality some of these larger organizations attaching a narrative to that so when people look at the photographs that are on places like Facebook and good old Pinterest that there is a narrative that helps us to explain the reasons why we would change environments to look like this. So I think this is a really important matter for us to consider so that these environments aren't just copied because they look pretty. The idea behind it should be copied in terms of its strong evidence base of why these sorts of environments are more suitable for young children and their teachers to be working side by side. So let's try and move beyond quality look like, looking like a particular way and really start examining that quality can look very different in 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 different circumstances in different contexts but the reason why we would present environments in such a way is the key factor and I think that's an important thing that we look at the aesthetics but also when we talk about this notion of environment as the third teacher we have to go beyond that and we have to look more about the relationships that can exist within environments and that becomes the important thing as children develop relationships with their environment and with the people that exist within that environment and that's what makes children's learning so exciting when we consider different sorts of environments for young children. So that was my first question. Can quality really actually look like something? And are we beginning to sort of fall into a generic trap of moving from all those bright colours, The um disneyfied way of presenting environments to children and has as alma fleet would say has the pendulum swung too far in another direction where things are starting to look like a swedish uh furniture place rather than building a true essence of what quality might look like in early childhood environments. So I'd ask you to begin to consider that as you might see images of early childhood environments, usually they're new builds, but also, of course, when people do um, renovations, we also see uh, this kind of environment emerging. My second question that I've been thinking about was can quality be branded? And I'm thinking about several examples that I've seen just this year, 2017, but I've seen many of them before and I'm I'm sure we will continue to see these things, that in some instances quality branding is being linked to a particular, let's say, philosophical approach or a particular theoretical approach without a lot of consideration to what that might actually mean in practice. So if I may give you a couple of examples that I've seen myself in terms of quality being hooked onto or linked with, either loosely or very closely, with a particular way of working in early childhood education. And I'm going to use the example of the infant and toddler centres and preschools in Emilia, which is in northern Italy, that have been or have become synonymous with high-quality early childhood education. And these 32 centres, I must say, um, none of them look alike. They all have their own individual uh, look, I suppose, although there's a very consistent pedagogical practice that links all of the centres together. But my concern is that when... Um, professionals in other countries either visit or read or hear visiting uh, pedagogical leaders from Regimilia, many people look at that as, aha, now if I link on to this particular way of working, this might work really well for my brand and while I can Say to you, there are many, many early childhood centres who have a deep and rich understanding of the key principles that underpin the work that happens in Reggio Emilia in Italy. There are also many, many centres who have very little understanding of the key principles that underpin or work as a foundation for this way of working. So an example might be, I know there is a small group of centres who have uh, school buses that have regimilia-inspired, emblazoned in very big letters on the side of their bus. And when you walk into one of the centres, you will see Laura's Malaguzzi's poem, The Hundred Languages, painted on a wall without reference to Malaguzzi. You'll also see the use of the Reggio Children logo throughout a centre. You will see terminologies such as the piazza, where in Italy this is the town square, but um, in another context, for example, in the Australian context, we don't have piazzas in our context. We've got to think about how do our communities come together and what might that mean? in an early childhood setting rather than just building a new centre with a piazza along with its fake grass and bridges. There was also uh, studios that have Italian names and many of the names the staff at the centre could not pronounce. Many of the staff in the centres are saying, I don't know anything about Reginelia. So this is what I mean about hooking your brand to something that you believe will assist you in selling your product, I believe, is inconsistent with a respectful and thoughtful approach to examining other early childhood communities who we might hold in high regard and taking From that approach, many of the superficial things that might be seen without a deep engagement in what that approach might mean to practice as teachers and children work together. So I'd like us to consider this in terms of how how can we enable ourselves to share high-quality early childhood practice without hooking it onto a brand. Montessori is another example, not so much in Western cultures but in Eastern cultures you might see um, Montessori used as a branding but once you step inside the door it is nothing like a true Montessori centre. So I'd ask you to consider that. And my last question to myself has been, in this series of three questions, is how easy is it, and I'm speaking specifically here to the Australian context, but I've heard from colleagues overseas that this is a problem elsewhere, is how easy is it to put on a mask during an assessment visit or an accreditation visit, put on a mask, that masquerades as quality for the time frame that those assessors are with you whether that's for a day or two days or three days or a week and I'm beginning to think that it's very easy to put on a mask that masquerades as quality. Many years ago we were living in Singapore and As I continued my dialogue with colleagues in Australia around a very large organization that really commercialized early childhood, particularly in the, and I'm using inverted commas here, in the childcare sector, I often heard stories from colleagues about what I might call flying squads coming in once an accreditation visit was uh, given notice of occurring from the accreditation body, that flying squads would come in to a particular centre and bringing with them additional staff, bringing with them resources and materials, and would really do what you might see on a TV program, do a complete makeover in a very short space of time to masquerade as quality for the assessors to come in and assess. Now, I thought we'd move beyond that, particularly with our new national quality framework. But unfortunately, even in the last two months, I have seen this with my own eyes, where a flying squad has come in from other centres in the network and completely, and I mean completely, rearranged the whole centre bringing in documentation that actually has nothing to do with the children and the teachers, looking at community engagement and parent engagement and falsifying records to say that this is actually an ongoing project rather than something that started two weeks ago. And in one particular instance, I saw a centre who two weeks before the accreditation process or the assessment and rating process as it was then I would have given significant improvement required and indeed I saw quite a few breaches of regulation. Yet this centre went through the process of assessment and rating two to three weeks after my visit and were given exceeding across all seven areas and i'm afraid i find that appalling that people are able to masquerade quality for a given period of time and the assessors are not able to see through that And unfortunately, young children are experiencing these kinds of masks, if you like, the masquerades, on a daily basis. Now, I'm absolutely sure there are so many wonderful early childhood settings in this country who would never do that. You could visit on any given day of the week and you would see high-quality practice. But unfortunately, there are too many organisations in this country who are quite happy and with clear conscience to come in and completely do a makeover just to get through the assessment and rating process. With no heed to the experiences of young children and the staff, over the past six months, 12 months, 18 months, and this is just not good enough. I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say about my three questions and some of the issues that I've raised there, and I really look forward to engaging in a conversation with you. I'll be back with Episode 3 in two weeks' time. Goodbye for now.